Thank you for tuning into Destiny House Church as we seek to draw closer to Jesus. We're so glad you've joined us today. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Court or one of the other anointed speakers as we pursue the Father's heart. Okay. Welcome, everybody. It's good to see y'all. Oh, yeah. re- 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 recording started a little late, so um, I apologize. It's not my fault. It's the congregation's fault. I'll put that on the record. So we're, we're reading it here in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. And it says, For we have become partakers of Christ, and behold, the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts in the rebellion. How many understand from that? If you rebel from the truth of the Word of God, if you rebel in your relationship with God, the consequence is a hardened heart. That's not just the only consequence, but that is part of many consequences that come when you rebel against the power of God. So I've given this example before. Let me just go ahead and give it again. Um, There's a a 14-square-mile area below uh, Japan's iconic uh, Fuji uh, mountains. There's been some movies made about this. Um, I probably wouldn't recommend any of those movies. I haven't seen them myself, but there's probably something that we as Christians don't need to see and listen to. But there are some things you can read about on the internet about um, this area called the Sea of Trees, or it's infamously known as Suicide Forest. And within the context of these 14 square miles, there has been many, many suicides that have been that have taken place. Um, many have called this the the forest of demons or the forest of false gods, or the, there's a bunch of different names. Um, some of them are obviously in, in Japanese, and I won't attempt to say any of those tonight. But this forest is so dense and the trees are so high, you cannot hear the outside world. You can't even hear planes overhead. Um, your phones don't work. Your communication doesn't work. Two-way radios don't even work in this area. Um, it's a dark and, and dreary, wet um, place with with no one um, ever present to help you. And this is why many people go out there. Um, they, The people that do commit suicide, they do it in a variety of different ways, and they bring a very large roll of yarn so that their families can find their bodies. And they unroll the yarn, they tie it under a tree, and then wherever they hang themselves or hurt themselves and take their life, um, their families can trace back, they leave a note, and their families can trace back that color of yarn. And if you go into the suicide forest, you can walk in different places, and you can see multiple areas where yarn is still up. And and and, and, and so years ago, I had read about this forest, and, um, and I had put it in this, the context of this message that I equated, and I still do, that being in a constant abusive situation is like trying to live your life in a suicide forest. A demonic place that um, is hard to escape from. And for many of you, uh, and, and this is not a, uh, a, a rude comment in any way, shape, or form, 
but many of you still have a very um, diluted understanding of what abuse is. And so I am far from being an, ex an expert, but, but I did grow up in an abusive family. Um, I, I did experience abuse, um, and, and I'm sure at some point I have been an abuser myself. Um, whether it was knowingly or unknowingly. And so I want to just give you some, some quick examples. First of all, we know that, that abuse takes different forms. You know, a pattern of abuse is um, corrosive. Um, it, it eats away at the fabric of a family from the inside out. Uh, for most people, when we think of abuse, we think of uh, one of the first two things we think of is physical abuse and or sexual abuse. But there are many different abuses that are just as terrible as physical and sexual abuse. So, first of all, abusers have many patterns that are identifiable. Um, you know, they want to they wanna control. They, they want to have a, a aggressive or a passive-aggressive form of, of control. Um, their, their feeder, the way that they experience power is through feeling like they can control somebody else or a group of, of people. All of you would agree that Adolf Hitler was a, a control freak. All of you would agree that David Koresh was a control freak. All of you would, would agree that that all of these men and women of God, that, men and women of God, all of these men and women that ignored God, that, that worshiped a false God, um, had a lot of control issues. But each and every one of them were abusers. It's 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 a form of abuse. When you intimidate and bully somebody else, you are a abuser. Um, there's emotional abuse, there's financial abuse. I dealt with a lot of financial abuse um, working with seniors for many years. And I, I found out that there was a lot of nursing homes that were and nursing homes are known for this, and I'm not ashamed to say this in front of people, even though people get mad at me when I say it. The truth is the truth. Either you want to accept it or you don't. But nursing homes um, like to make money. And for the perversive nursing homes and assisted livings that are out there, they will have you sign a document to get your parents your mom and dad a room, your brother or sister a room, for them to live out the last season of their life. And on that contract, you are signing away your parents' estate. Yes. And the government is okay with it. In fact, it's a government document. That if you're not able to pay, and many people, when they pass away, they have left behind a $150,000. And this is with Medicare Part A and B and C. They leave behind thousands upon thousands of dollars of debt. 
And the family is, set, is thinking, man, we're finally going to be able to get mom and dad's farm. But what they just realized is they lost the entire farm because they didn't have $25,000 to pay off the nursing home debt. What do I call that? Abuse. It's elder abuse. It's abuse on people. There's, there's forms of witchcraft. There's four different areas. There's really more, but let's, let's dwindle it down to four. Intimidation is a form of active witchcraft. Active working witchcraft. Humiliation is an active form of witchcraft. Domination is an active form of witchcraft. And manipulation is an active form of witchcraft. If you are an abiding, or you say that you're an abiding uh, believer in Jesus, then there is absolutely no place and, 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 and no time in your life where God gives you the authority to intimidate, to humiliate, to dominate, or to manipulate someone else. It's pure evil. And it's sin. I love this quote here about Sharon Alder. She says, your body is a temple, not a daily dumping ground for another person's pain, anger, betrayal, judgment, hypocrisy, denial, gains, jealousy, or blame. When you're being psychologically, spiritually, or emotionally abused by a person and they don't care how it hurts you, then it is time to leave what is polluting your relationship with God. Now, most pastors say, don't you dare get a divorce no matter what. But if you read your Bible, the Bible gives clear indicators of when it is appropriate to leave and walk out on a relationship that is not productive for those people or their offspring. Okay. The spiritual abuse is, obviously, spiritual abuse is not a new phenomenon. We read about it um, in the Old Testament. God spoke against those who operated in their own authority while abusing the very people that they were to bless. This is something that that churches will absolutely hear from God about is abusing people through the power and the lordship, the false lordship of a board or a pastor or a set of deacons. That board, that pastor, those deacons, that executive board, they hold account to God on how they treat people, period. There will be no excuses. There will be no person protecting. It will be you and me before God. Not together. You before God and me before God. And we are accountable for every deed and every word of our lives. This is so important. The people understand this. In Jeremiah chapter 5, 30 to 31, we read 
um, that an astonishing and horrible thing has been committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule by their own power, and my people love to have it so. But what will you do in the end? When we read in Jeremiah chapter 6, 13 and 14, the first one I read was 5, 30 to 31. Jeremiah 6, 13 to 14, we read again of, of self-absorbed prophets and priests who are so preoccupied with their own needs being met that the needs of the people are being ignored. We read, for the least of them, even of the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for, you know, the, the word says everyone is greedy for gain and from the prophet, even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. And they have healed the brokenness of my people. How? Superficially saying, peace, peace, but there is no peace. We got to be careful of who is proclaiming peace on us. Just because somebody says the peace of the Lord is upon you does not mean that that person is sent from God to tell you that. Devil knows the Bible better than you do. Common characteristic of an abusive religious person or a religious system is that the real needs of the people are lost in the never-ending quest by the leaders for what? Personal fulfillment and happiness. I was, I was telling Candace the other day, she drove by our first house that we bought after I sold my father's house, after he passed away. And I couldn't live in my father's house. I, I wish I had kept it because it's, my father bought it in 1974 for $40,000, paid on it for 30 years, right? Anyways, so my my wife was, was going down this cul-de-sac and 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 saw the first house that we bought. And we had so many memories there of, of Bailey and Hayden being tiny and me picking the wrong tile for the house. That's where my original back injury came from. <laughs> this kind of tile you don't use in the bathroom, it's just slippy slidey everywhere. And, and we were just laughing about how much we did in that house. And we did the carpet, we did the walls, and we busted down walls, and we did all sorts of things. We didn't have a clue what we were doing. Jeff, you would have been like, oh, Gordon. <laughs> we sold the house. We, we, never, we never knew to level the floor. We just thought the concrete was level automatically when it was built by the builder. Well, that's a ridiculous assumption. So I was like, slap the tile down. Oh man, but, but, but then you would walk on it the next day and the tiles would break in half because there was a little hump there. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Step in so I learned my lesson, right? And redo the floor. I know y'all think I'm very slow, I am, and experienced. <laughs> and, and so she was looking at the house and we were just thinking about time and, and we looked up this house we bought. We bought that house for $142,000 
and it's worth $500,000 right now. Wow. I said, Kimmies, either we are really in the will of God, or boy, did we miss it. Because <laughs> <laughs> then, then she pulled up our other houses, and we moved quite a few times, and each and every one, the value has just shot up ridiculous where we're, where we're from. And, you know, you look back at those things. You look back at issues in your life that you maybe ran from, abusive situations. And, and, and you know, we can run from things that are, are grief-ridden. But how many of you understand tonight that sometimes God wants us to experience grief? so that he can get us on the side of real joy. You know, sometimes we don't understand joy until we have experienced some of the saddest things of our life. And I, I hate to say that, but man, we have a good, good father that, that will allow us to go through something that he didn't even start, but he will take something that was so tragic and he will unfold that scroll and there's something so beautiful. So it's amazing what our Father does. So, back to, I took a rabbit trail, but, but, but back to this. Um, spiritual abuse, there's no place for it. And, and, and I, I, I have a hard time comprehending saying that you fear God and then using God's name to coerce people. Not everything is thus saith the Lord. Amen. Amen. I mean, some of us in the 90s and early 2000s learned this the hard way. Right? Just because somebody says thus saith the Lord does not mean that was the Lord's saying. I want to read to you in 2 Timothy chapter 3. I like how the English standard version says this. It says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. You guys know this, this passage very well. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, Slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, and the key four words here, but denying its power. And then, and then here's there's some three words right here that I've preached on my entire career, but. Nobody ever likes them. And the three words are avoid such people. God is saying avoid these abusive people. I'm not saying don't minister to them. But how many of you know that you can minister to somebody until you're blue in the face about the love of God. But if they are not ready to change, 
then you're going to waste your time and spin your wheels and cast your pearls before swine. This is not, I'm not coming up with this. It's written right here. And in verse 6 it says, For among them are those who creep in a household and capture weak women, burdened with sins and lead astray by various passions, always learning, listen, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Man, I would hate for us to be that church that we're always learning and never truly arriving to the true truth of who Jesus is. No, sometimes we forget Jesus really is that good. That he really is that awesome. And I forget that myself, and, and I'm, I'm telling you guys to remember it. We've got to remember, we've got to remember the power that God has given us not to be doormats. Right? God never said that you need to allow people to wipe their life on you. He did tell you to die to self. But he's telling you to die to self for you. Because you can't be close to him unless you die yourself. Right? It's your death that brings you closer to the Savior. Daily. Daily, 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 daily. It's not a one-time prayer in the pulpit, in the altar. Salvation is a walk. Salvation is a crawl. Salvation is a sprint. Salvation is a marathon. Let me just read Galatians chapter 5. I like how the message, I don't always like how the message reads, but I, I do like this interpretation here in verses 19 to 21. It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own abusive way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied once, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly, ugly parodies of community, I could go on. This isn't the first time I've warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you believe in the King James Version more, go back and read that. It says the same thing. Same definition. Oh, well, Pastor, the words are different. Go back and read the King James. The King James is actually more strict than that is. Okay? Or you can just sit there and say, well, he read the message Bible. That was a little too much for me. Let's throw that out. You could be one of those Christians, right? Now. 
Jesus cared deeply about his people and how they were treated. We need to care about how, I care about how people are treating you. You should care about how people are treating me. Yes. You want your pastor abused all the time? No. Come on, say no together. No. Thank you, I really appreciate that. It's heartfelt. Matthew 9, 36 says he was moved with compassion when he saw the multitudes. He was Moved with compassion. What, what is the last time you have been moved with compassion to help those that are out there being abused? And not just be moved. And, and by the way, the word moved here means moved. This is not an emotional, oh, I was really moved by that romantic comedy. Oh, how cute. They finally got together and got married. Oh, what is that channel you women watch all the time before? Hallmark. Hallmark. That's from the devil. <laughs> Hallmark, I hope you're listening. I mean, you know, it's, it, it is funny to me that we do get our encouragement sometimes through media. The, the Christians, Christians get more excited about if their team is winning than if their church is winning souls. So he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd, right? About the Amplified Version expands on the word weary by saying they were bewildered, harassed, abused, distressed, dejected, and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Every person in this room has been abused. Every person in this room has been an abuser. Move forward. Repent. What? I've never been an abuser. Really? Have you ever lied and get your way? Have you ever manipulated somebody else? Have you ever intimidated somebody else? Have you overtly or unknowingly um, humiliated somebody else? <laughs> I'm out of material. Um, I love how God give us the slap in the face. Well, I don't want to say it that way. I love how God will discipline us very strongly and then immediately when the discipline is ended and the discipline is completed. So, I'll just give an example. Y'all are going to be like, oh, poor Cooper. Oh, kidding, sweet. I do miss him. I get to see him in a few minutes. He is very sweet. Cooper, stop opening the window in the living room and trying to crawl out of the house. You know he's thinking, well, Dad, it's your fault. You should have locked the window, right? You see Bailey's cat get up there? So now Cooper wants to get on that windowsill, and he wants to put 
push on that window and oh, oh, if I push up, the window will magically open up and I have a way of escape to the driveway. One day I just saw two, a diaper and two little socks. Grabbed him by his little behind, pulled him up. Right? Cooper stopped. Stopped hitting on that window because now the window is locked. That's glass. If you hit too hard, it's going to. I mean, now I'm thinking, why? Where are you rational? What are you? He's two and a half. Because you learn by speaking what's truth. The truth is. That window will break if you keep hitting that window. Eventually, there's going to be a crack, and now Daddy's going to be more upset. Right? Right? Cooper, stop doing that. Can't they say, Cooper, stop doing that. Get down. Runs back over there, gets on the windowsill, starts hitting the window again because it won't open anymore. Right? It's locked. I go over there, pop him on the little rear. Kids, you hit him too hard. Gosh, woman, he's got a whelp on his on his. You missed his diaper. You hit his little leg. Terrible. Two days later, come home. Can't Cooper's doing something crazy? He's probably trying to get out of the same window. I don't know. Candace pops him. Big old whelp. I said, woman! I'm going somewhere with the story, okay? I just don't know where yet. Isn't that amazing that a good mom, a good dad, right after we're done disciplining, and he's crying, and finally he gets the point through a, a tiny bit of pain, a tiny bit of discipline, and what do we do? Do we continue disciplining him and spanking him over and over for that deed? No. He's mad at us, going to ignore us. But once he stops ignoring us, he's going to run to mom out or he's going to run to daddy. Usually me because he likes me more. <laughs> no, no, that's not true, right? And, and, and Cooper will come and get our lap and we will hug us. And he will hug us and we will say, Cooper, why? You got in trouble because you kept hitting that window. You can't, you know, it's there. I'm sorry. That's what he said now. I said, you didn't hear my sermon. Don't say I'm sorry. No, I didn't say that to him. You say, please forgive me now. No. Louis for that. But, but, but that's how our dad is with us. Yeah. He disciplines us. Then he's done with it. I disciplined you. I'm not going to keep hurting. I'm not going to inflict pain. I'm not, you're not condemned. You're not going through condemnation. All I did was discipline you. Now get on over here and let's have some pancakes together. And that's what your dad wants to do for you every single day. But when you have gone through abusive situations... It's hard to piece together that a, a loving father wants to be that for you. Some of you guys didn't have a great mom or a great dad. Some of you guys didn't have or missing a parent. Or maybe you had both parents, but you went through traumatic abuse as a child. Maybe some of you, I, I know 
I know some folks that are being, as adults, that are being abused by their parents in their adult life right now. Abusers don't stop unless the Lord, unless they allow the Lord to change them. Have you been able to stop an addiction on your own? No. It's the Father that brings you back into His lap and says, you know what? You have struggled with this. You've struggled with this too long. I see that you're making the effort. I see that you're doing your best to grow. And, and I, I am so grateful that you're my son, that you are my daughter. I'm so proud of you for fighting against this. That's how our real father is. If he was an abusive God, that means that we would crawl up in his lap after the initial discipline. And he would start calling us a loser. He would start saying things like, you're never going to be the son or daughter that I want you to be. If you hear that voice, you should automatically know as a Christian that that is the voice of the enemy. The voice of God says, I'm so glad you got back up in my lap. I'm so glad that you made the effort. I, I was going to actually do a teaching series on this, and I may still do it. And, it's, and it was a controversial movie when it came out. It came out as a book first, and of course I'm going blank on the name. But the... the um, what is the name of it? The, the, the character in the book and in the movie that played God was a middle-aged black woman. Y'all know what movie I'm talking about? The Shack. Thank you. Thank you. And so I was, when this book came out, I was, this was over 20 years ago. The book came out about 20 years ago, if y'all remember. And it was so controversial. Uh, tons of Christians were like, no way, God's, because they were viewing it from the fact of gender-wise, you know, this is, they were viewing, oh, this, but, and, and I was the same way, I was like, oh, man, this, I'm not reading this book, and finally, a lot of the, the, the guys in, in drug rehab were like, Pastor Court, you need to read this book, I'm, like, I'm not reading that book, this is, this is crazy, what y'all told me, so, so I never read the book, well, I have since. But during that time, I never. So the movie comes out. I a bunch of Christians ran that way. I didn't even read the book. I'm not going to submit myself to go and see the movie. I'm still just being courtroom. And then I saw the movie one day with Candace at home. And I cried my eyes out. For a whole lot of reasons. But. And not just because of how the characters were, but 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 Jesus being on the lake with, with you know with, with the main character and him teaching him to walk on water. It, it was just it was just so like man, that's who Jesus really is, laughing and having a good time and 
questioning the way we perceive and see things as being accurate or not. And, and all too often, uh, uh, we as, as people, we, we do an abusive thing to God by putting Him in this religious, spiritual box. But guess what? When, when we allow God to start moving in His rhythm and His melody and His harmonies is when revival starts. Is when we start seeing that God is really the conductor. He is the potter and we are the clay. Right? That we are the canvas and He's the painter. I mean, the examples go on and on and on. So, 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 last comment, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna close. There is no reason in the world that any of you should allow yourself to be abused by other people and spirits around you. You are children of God. I'm not saying be mean. I'm not saying retaliate. I'm not saying have vengeance. What I am saying is sometimes you've got to walk away and separate yourself from those types of people slash spirits. Because with them, you're going to be stifled. You cannot grow when somebody is constantly on the ground pulling for you to come out of that chair that you're standing. I know a lot of y'all take the, and, and I, I've been accused of this, of, of, of being the, the glass half-empty guy. But I don't see it that way. I see it as Jesus will continue to pour in me if I continue to be a vessel that he can pour into. The minute that I stop being a vessel for him to pour into, I'm now on a path that's called a broad road. Yes, Whenever you start thinking that you've got things figured out on your own, God will chuckle a little bit and allow you to go through some stuff to teach you what it means to be a survivor in Him. And isn't it great that he takes us from just the know-how of surviving an event in our life or multiple events of abuse in our life from being, I mean, our, our mascot at a private school I went to the last two years of high school, um, I begged my parents to go to private school. They're like, why? You know, they weren't saved. Why do you want to go to private? I wouldn't save either. I was like, I don't know, but I want to go. Right? And then, of course, I left, left three years. So I ended up getting saved, right? And I realized at the beginning of my time of salvation, I was like, who was our mascot? I mean, I was on a basketball team and I was running across the country. And, 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 and I was like, we don't even have a mascot. I mean, I'm not, this is where I'm slow. And said, so our, our, our mascot is a, is a victor. What's a victor? What does that look like? Where's the guy running around, you know, with the cheerleaders doing stupid stuff? In the middle, you know, where's Tigger the Tiger type of dude, right? Right? Oh, well, we don't have one of those. We're, we're, we're just victors in Christ. What? 
I'm saved. I'm like, what's a victor in Christ? I mean, is that, you know, short for Victoria? I mean, I didn't know what that was. Seriously, I did, I, I did not know what it meant to be a victor. And, of course, they educated me in my low spiritual IQ. And they said, we're, we're already victors because Jesus has already been victorious. And so, we got to stop working out on things we don't need to work out at. God's already taking care of it. Y'all stand up and, and, and let's, let's, I want us to denounce some things tonight. Um, close your eyes for me. And, and, I, and I want you to do this and, and say this on your own. You can say it the way I say it or you can pray it the way you want to. But I'm just, I'm just going to pray this tonight and just keep moving and then we will, I will close out in a second and we can be released for tonight. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I denounce every ounce of abuse in my life. I denounce every ounce of everything that I have done that has been displeasing to you, God. Everything, Father, every ounce of sin that is abusive, God, I denounce that right now, God. Everything that I remember and everything that I don't remember, God, I ask for your forgiveness for being at some point an abuser in my life. Now, God, you know there's certain things I haven't done. There's certain areas of abuse I've never committed, but you say, I look at all of this sin. I identify all of this sin. And I want you to repent for all of this sin. And so we do that right now for anything, Father, that we have committed against ourselves, against you, and against other people. We denounce it. And we ask that you would receive our sincere repentance that we will never commit those atrocities again. Father, I also ask forgiveness for not forgiving those in a timely manner that have abused me, that have abused my family, that have done things against us as we have tried to help. God, I pray that you would forgive me for not always addressing it as quickly as I could, God. That you would forgive me for anything that, that is still remaining that I have not confessed to you. God, I denounce and I ask that you would do that right now, God. God, I pray that you would bless those that have been abusive in my life. I pray that you would bless those, God, that all of those people and all of those situations and those different events, God, whether it was a, a long-term abuse or a short-term, God, I pray that those people, if they're not already saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, that they would be saved and they would be set free. And even right now, as I stand and pray this prayer, God, that those people would be convicted where they are right now and they would repent for their abusive life just as I repent for my abusive life. God, I, re I repent and I denounce every action of this church that may have committed 
some type of offense that has caused an abusive situation to turn into bitterness and pain and jealousy. God, for any place that this church has, has in any matter, in any past, God, in behalf of this church as the under-shepherd of this church, God, I pray that you would forgive us for any and all atrocity and sin that we have committed against anybody past and present, Father. I pray, Father, that you help us to be a forgiving people because you have forgiven us so very much, God. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.